Welcome to Scotty's Nose Podcast. This is our eighth episode, and I have my very first guest. So I want everybody to welcome Rachel Miller, who's a couples and family therapist in Chicago and one of the smartest people I know. Oh, aren't you sweet? <laughs> uh, kissing up now, huh? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, so actually, you're going to be an answer to a trivia question in years to come when this podcast blows up they're going to say who was scotty's first guest and it's going to be rachel miller <laughs> see and then i'll feel so special I can add That's it to right. my list of media appearances <laughs> absolutely all right so we're here today and we're gonna um dive into a subject that is um i guess uh a touchy subject that uh, needs to get uncovered and need to deal with. And that is um, the fact that uh, we continue to take African-American lives in this country and uh, we just don't fix it. Um, And so while everybody is angry and doesn't know what to do, we're going to try to touch on the fact and try to educate some people as to what you can do as a white person to help facilitate change that we need to see happen. That's uh, the hope so anyway. At least that's the hope, right? Yeah. We'll point you in a direction and see, uh, see if we can't get everybody on the right page. Um, so, so Rachel, um, what are some of the things that you think uh, need to get touched on first for people? I mean, I think for me, what becomes really necessary, like as a white person who is, you know, we're all trying to do the right thing. Like most people are trying to do the right thing. And I also recognize that a lot of people don't know where to go and they're very afraid of doing the wrong thing and they freeze and do nothing or they you know, they throw up a Facebook post, like, I want people to know what side I'm on, but I don't know what else to do. And my hope is that we can offer people some resources, some places to go, some ways to do the work, um, recognizing that it's lifelong work. I mean, I personally, and this sometimes has a, this tends to hit people in a, they feel some kind of way when I say this, but if you're a white person who grew up in a white supremacist society, it is basically in your DNA to believe racist shit. Like I I don't, you have, you have implicit bias, you have racist tendencies and you don't even recognize them. They're just in our everyday language. And if you're a white person who's able to say, look, I acknowledge that I grew up in a white supremacist society. I acknowledge 
that I probably carry racist ideas that I'm unaware of and I'm willing to own those and work on them. That's all that's being asked of you. If we can start there, I think it's at, it's at least a step in the right direction. Yeah. It's kind of like, you know, people hear white privilege, white people hear white privilege and they immediately get offended and pissed off. Yes. Like they don't understand. Right. Cause they think, White privilege means you were born with a, you know, a, you know, a, a career path, a clear path, uh, you know, an inheritance and all of that. Yeah, like and life wasn't the, hard for you. Right. And that's not what white privilege is. No. You know, that, at least not in the, the way that we're talking about it. Right. You know, we, you know, when we talk about white privilege, we talk about an unblocked path. Yeah. You know, to to do things like. Everybody, you know, everybody likes to say, well, so-and-so got out of the ghetto. Everybody can do it if they work hard. And that's, you know, it's, it's very easy to say. And I'm not, and nobody is saying that it's impossible. Right. But think about your life. If somebody told you, you had to work, you know, 500 times harder than the person sitting next to you just to get to where they are, you would go, that's bullshit. Right. Yeah, and, and so, yeah, I that think, is. Yeah. When you talk about white privilege, you talk about the fact that your life isn't harder because of your skin color. Like, it doesn't mean your life wasn't hard, but it wasn't what made it hard wasn't something you had no power over, like the color of your skin. Like, sure, life, we, huh. lots of people have challenging lives but you aren't automatically deemed less than by society because your skin is brown because your skin is yeah. black. Like it, it's just different. And it's and, and like, you know, it's the show that it's different. You've never heard um, an announcer say that white quarterback is very articulate. Oh, you know, right. <laughs> but you hear that all the time when they talk about an, an, a black athlete. Yeah. You know, he's very articulate. Well, shit. What, you know, right. Like, right. You know that about white people. So, so well, here we are, you know, supposedly, you know, so advanced past the past, but here we are still shocked that a black man can actually speak. Right. Like just, it's, it's <laughs> that kind of stuff. And no one thinks about it that way. Right. <sighs> Like, we don't recognize the, the stuff that we do without even realizing, like, what comes out of our mouths and what, even something as simple as what area of town you think is safe or, quote, unquote, unsafe. Or the area of, like, if you see people walking towards you, do you walk on the other side of the street? Do you move over? Do you, like... The things you do every day that are small and little that you don't recognize that are done because you have implicit bias against black people. Right. People are like, I don't, I don't see color. Bullshit. You do. <laughs> right. A perfect example. And here's a funny story. My brother, when I was looking at colleges, we went to, I went to the University of Tennessee, Chattanooga, but we went on a trip down there and it was just me and my brother. And the guy showed us around for maybe an hour. We said we were hungry. 
and ask them if there's a place where we could eat around here that, you know, and then we'll come meet back with them. And he's like, well, there's a McDonald's up there. My brother's like, there's got to be a, actually a local restaurant here, someplace that's cool, that's got ribs or something. Yeah. And the kid goes, yeah. Yeah, there's a rib place over there, but like it's owned by black people. Oh. <laughs> and so my brother and I go, well, great. Then they must be the best place here. <laughs> and oh, by the way, we're not going to come back and meet you afterwards. We're good. We'll figure it out. Right. <laughs> you know? Yeah. yeah. You know, but like, again, that's, you know. But people, people don't, it's so part of our everyday language. Like it's just, it's in everything we do. It's in the way we talk. It's the way we think. And until we do active work to start to dismantle that, because people like I hear people and I don't know about you, but I hear white people that I know say, I take people individually for who they are. And I don't, you know, care if, you know, they're any color in the rainbow. I just care about who they are as a person. And, and so I, you know, I'm not racist. I'm like, okay, I'm going to take a breath. Before I respond to that, and I'm like, okay, let's be real here. We've turned the word racist into like capital R racist pejorative term, right? If honestly, the worst thing you like, if you want people to lose their shit, white people call them racist and they freak out. And I'm like, I don't know why it's so hard to own the term. It like, no one's saying you're walking around with a white hood on. Nobody's saying you're intentionally going out and terrorizing people, but not all racism is overt like that. Like it's just, we've taken the word racist and turned it into such a thing that people can't even acknowledge what is racist anymore. Right. You can be you can actually be biased without being racist, right? Uh, I don't. I don't know if I go. I don't. I'll, <laughs> maybe. Yeah. Maybe. Like, I mean. Right. Because because there's levels, right? Like everybody's got a level, you know. And and it's hard. Like if you talk about like have have you read How to Be an Anti Racist by Dr. Kendi? I have not yet. Okay. I have not yet. So if people really want to start to do the work on race, right? Like. There's, there are incredibly gifted black educators who have written really great stuff. Um, How to be an anti-racist is a great one. Um, So you want to talk about race is another one. Um, Leah Saad has a book called me and white supremacy. Um, And like everybody sort of talks about racism. Like it, it's prejudice plus power is racism. But like right. how to be an anti-racist really talks about um, like racism as like things are either racist or anti-racist, right? Like Kendi talks about it as racism is a marriage of racist policies and racist ideas that produce and normalize racial inequalities, right? Like, but it requires you to like break right. that stuff down. But people, like when we talk about it generally, People are like, oh, you're filled with hate all the time. Like, no, that's not always just like when I'm talking about racist, being racist, it's not always talking about like you're filled with hate and you walk around hating black people. 
Right. That's, exactly. That's not what we're talking about. We're talking about the fact that you have, yeah, implicit bias is the thing, right? Like you can go to the, right. to the Harvard, there's a Harvard implicit bias website that you can go and take the implicit bias test. Like I'll own this really not so fabulous, you know, this is my journey of working towards anti-racism as a white person. When I first heard about the implicit bias test, I was told for a class to go take it. And you can take like, there's one on race, there's one on gender, there's like different pieces around it, right? I looked at it. And this is when I, I sort of recognized that I probably had things I needed to work on. Because when I looked at it, I was like, I don't want to take the race one, because I'm afraid of what I'll find out. I don't want to know because I truly, I want to believe I'm a good person and I don't want to know how much racial, racial bias I might have. So I took the gender one and then, (laughs) right. So, because I'm like this massive feminist, like, you know, that's like, that's my, anybody who knows me, like, that's my stomping ground. Like that is where I, (laughs) <laughs> that is where I stick right. my no, I flag. That's your wheelhouse. It is my wheelhouse. <laughs> so I'm like, I'm gonna do. I'm gonna go take the gender one. You want to talk about a slap in the face? I'm. I was like, what do you mean? I'm gender biased? No, I'm not. I totally am. <laughs> oh, this like it sort of blew everything up in my face. That was like, oh wait, this is so deep that even when you're actively trying and you believe to your core in feminist ideals, I still friggin' sit around with gender bias. And I was like, oh, this is, this is exactly why I didn't want to take the racial one, which means I've got work to do. Right. Like, and see, that's, I think, uh, that point right there is is something that I think is really that needs to bleed into our police situation, Ugh. right? As far as tests needing to be given right. prior to even allowing into the academy and these things, because clearly people that are very smart are creating these tests that the common... Um, I'm going to not say bad words yet. The common person. <laughs> then you, and you wait, and you have me on. Because I'm my mouth. No, no, no. You can curse all you want. Trust okay. me, I will be cursing this at some point. I don't want to name call people, is all I'm okay. saying. All right, yes. Name you calling know. should be off limits. I happen to agree with right. you. Yeah. Look, these yeah. are really intelligent so, right. people who create tests like this. I don't pretend they're not flawed. And that, you know, we are flawed people who create flawed tests, but it's an interesting concept of like, like, even as someone who has worked really hard, you know, to be a feminist thinker, and I, I wholeheartedly believe in feminist ideals, I'm still walking around and I've spent decades, like, I'm not 20, I'm 45. I spent, by the, when I took that test, I think I was like 38, 40. I had a I had a full decade of like feminist stuff under my belt. I thought for sure I was good. I wasn't good. So if you've <laughs> never done an implicit bias test, they're interesting to do, but also like even understand that if you've done work around race, 
that shit's still there. If you aren't continually, actively fighting those biases that you carry, it's you're doing harm to people. You maybe people you don't mean to, but you're still doing harm, and you're part of the problem. But if we're talking about police officers, you can talk about the individual officers, right? Like, but before we right. even talk about them as individual people. I don't know how you can't acknowledge that, like, the policing system is racist. Its entire foundation right. is it comes from the slave patrol. That was its whole job. And so we're talking about putting people who have bias already, like, naturally, inherently from growing up in the system. And then we put them in a system that is based on racist policy. Right. And, you know, you kick into the fact that 77.3% of all officers are white. Right. So that's a, a huge number. That's a huge number. And they're policing, right? so, like, then they're pr- policing primarily black communities. Like, yes, we all have police right. officers everywhere, but like, it's not like those demographics shift when we're talking about primarily you know, minority communities. No, there's just many white people in those communities, like policing, but not living there. So they're not invested in those communities. Exactly. You know, so, you know, there's so much of that issue with the police that we need, that needs to get fixed. And you're right. It's a matter of, you know, getting the proper police chiefs and the proper mayors, you know, another number, you know, yeah. There's actually 39 African-American mayors in this country right now. 39. That's it. <laughs> uh, right? It, it was a shocking number when I looked that up. I'm like, that's a problem. Yeah. You know, and 13 um, of those are in cities that are predominantly black so yeah like we've got mayor lightfoot over here in in chicago right you know right so so right so 13 of those 39 are in predominantly black cities so there's only 26 mayors in non-predominantly black cities that are african-american well and then you got to think about like the history of that right like that's currently Mm -hmm. i mean lori lightfoot just took over here like, she's a new mayor. She hasn't even been in place for a year. And look what's happening in the world right now and that she's having to to manage as well as managing her own, like, pain and anguish and grief about what's happening right now. Like, she's also trying to run this city. Like, I don't envy her that position. I can't imagine the weight of what she's carrying right now. No, Chicago is, you know, in the top five for sure, probably top two or three cities, toughest jobs, mayor of Chicago. Yeah, it's not an easy <laughs> place to be. But, no, it's, it's just, you know. But it's hard, right? Like, I mean, so we had major upheaval here yesterday. We had incredibly amazing, peaceful protests that I watched come. I'm immunocompromised, so I couldn't protest yesterday, though I really wanted to. I was told I must stay home. 
So I didn't go out because, you know, on top of all of this, we're all still dealing with coronavirus and the black community has been ravaged by this virus, particularly yep. here in Chicago. Um, and, and then we're going out and protesting and trying to stay safe. And like, this was hard. And they split part of the protesters off yesterday off of Lakeshore Drive and kind of funneled them down Chicago Avenue, which is, which is down my street. And so I watched them head this way. Um, I could see them from my balcony and then they funneled them down Michigan Avenue. It was completely peaceful. It was like, there were no issues, but we, you know, we lifted the gate, you know, we lifted the bridges. We like locked everybody then down back in the loop, like, and when that was happening, we didn't have a, there wasn't a ton of police issues, but then it started to escalate. And when we watched some of that stuff on camera, um, it was horrifying to watch what we saw some of the police do. But then when the looting was happening in our own neighborhood yesterday, we didn't see any police brutality where we were. So it, it, people have so many mixed messages depending on what they're seeing that it's not, it's not as clear cut as I think anybody wants it to be like all police are bad. Yeah. I hear that people are saying no, it's, but it's that same conversation of then, like, if we're saying not all police are bad, then we're like, not all white people, right? Like you can't do that. That doesn't help. But I do right. understand why people are, are really struggling around. Well, then how do I do this? Like, how do I hold both of these realities? Well, the reality, Matt, is is that obviously not all police are bad, and it's just a you know, but it's definitely more than a few bad apples. Absolutely. You know? So and so the that's, whole system. So that's yes, yes. So that bullshit is is just needs to go away. Right. You know? It's that and whole. It's did, to, did you see that one that thing on I don't know it was Facebook or Twitter that was going around that was like if you have ten bad cops. And a thousand good cops, but the thousand good cops don't do anything about the, the right. 10 black ones. You got a thousand and ten bad ones. Exactly. Like and that. that's the crux of the whole thing is that we understand they're not all bad, but until you start weeding them out well, and stop protecting them, then the whole system shit. So right. don't and tell when, me yeah. they're a good cop. The good cops aren't doing anything. And can you <laughs> can you really say there are good cops? Like, and this is not, this, this is a part where it's like, it's not personal. Like, I'm not talking about you as a person. I am talking about your profession and I am talking about the system in which your profession functions. So like, I don't care how great of a person you are. If you in any given moment are working to be racist or anti-racist, well, the police system is racist. All day. Like, I, I don't know how to, I can't separate that. And like, that's really why, like, I've encouraged, I've spent, I don't know about you, Scotty, but like, I've spent the last week sitting and trying to hold space for friends and family and people I love of color, primarily black people, because let's not pretend that this isn't this is about being black in this country for sure, you know, and like, and I will say that indigenous, you know, the indigenous community is also 
right in that space. Like who else has been really hard hit by Corona? The indigenous community who continually, you know, deals with, with the policing issues and, you know, are ignored the same way, you know, the problems there are ignored the same way that, you know, missing indigenous women aren't reported and aren't dealt, you know, aren't, aren't saved missing black women. It's that same kind of connotation. But if we're talking specifically about black people, I have been sitting with my friends and colleagues and family that are black and listening to how much they're hurting this week, how devastated they are. Like, if you haven't been touched by this, what it says to me is you don't have people, you don't have black people in your life who trust you enough to share their experience with you. For sure. Because I, I don't sure. know, I don't know how you truly sit with a black person who, who is hurting so badly and raging, right? Like it's this combination of grief and rage and exhaustion. I don't know how you're not impacted by that. I don't know how you don't want to do the work. Cause it's heartbreaking. Yeah. It, yeah, it, you know, it, it's, you know, it's absolutely, you know, there are the, there are people that are, that believe they want to do the work, but are afraid that they will alienate other people that they're friends with, I'm sure. Mm, that's a know, good point, which, yeah. Which, you know, which is, you know, so where do you draw the line, you know, that's, that falls into the people on Facebook anyway. You're really going to delete me over politics? But you know, I'm deleting you because you're an asshole. You know? <laughs> <laughs> you know, it just so happens that it is, you know, that you may feel it's because of this or that or the other thing, but it's things you believe, if you're going to be mad at me because I believe this, mm-hmm. or, you know, if you're, going to be, you know, if you're going to be the person that's mad targets getting burned down instead of that a black man had his neck snap, right. you know, then no, I have no use for you in my life. I'm, I don't need that. I don't need that bullshit energy and I'm moving on. You know, I think it's, it's, I'm really, I, I sit in a space around that where I struggle so much. Cause you're right. It would be so easy to cut those people out of my life. And at the same time, I recognize that when I do that, I might be the only person in their circle with a different opinion than them. I may be the only white person they know who has the ability to challenge that point of view. And when I say challenge, I don't necessarily mean like go to toe, go toe to toe and fight with you on Facebook. I don't necessarily mean I'm going to have a screaming match with you out in the street. When I say challenge you, I mean, I'm going to offer different ideas. I'm going to put them on the table and I'm going to call you in to try to get you to think about this differently. Cause you and I both know that if you, the minute you start like going into with somebody, they just like with facts, and I'm going to throw all this stuff at you. And this is why you're wrong. People dig their yeah, heels in and they don't hear you. There's, yeah. There's no winning it on. I believe there's no win. It, only a face to face could possibly get somebody to move off of a point or towards something because you're talking as 
as people and not right. just spewing. Well, it's that sort of, yeah, it's like, it, it's like armchair quarterbacking, right? Like I'm not really invested in the game so I can sit here and say all oh. kinds of horrible things because I don't have to look you in the face when I say them. <laughs> right. Right. Like, yeah. I mean, it's, so like Chicago, we're all going to like rip apart, you know, we ripped apart Jay Cutler for years, but none of us would ever say <laughs> any of that awful stuff to Jay to his, well, that's not true. Some of us might, but like, but you know, his wife I mean? did. <laughs> <laughs> his ex-wife, I should say, right? Yeah, right. Soon to be ex-wife. But yeah. like, with no allowance. <laughs> right. We do this like all the time, right? Like we say, like when we when we have that distance of like a screen or we're behind a keyboard, we could scream and yell at each other all day long on Facebook, and. And people just tune you out and they don't hear you and they shut down. And I, to me, that doesn't work for a conversation. It's not that I'm not angry. It's not that I don't want to scream at these people because there's a piece of me that does. This time, and this is after having relationships with people where I've said, what is it you need from me? And having black friends and colleagues say to me, I need you to hold your people accountable, Rachel. That's what I need you to do. And I'm like, okay, how do I do that? Right? Like, how do I go around and, and call out? And I, and I almost like the word call in better. Like I'm, I'm calling you in to learn something new. I'm giving you the opportunity to do this differently. I'm going to name out loud the thing that you're doing. And so this week, my attempt to do that. I don't know how much it's working. I don't, <laughs> I don't know, but I have seen at least some people who up until this point have not been vocal about wanting to do the work. I've heard some thank yous for showing me how to do the work. I, my Facebook feed right now, I don't typically, my stuff's not usually public, but currently every piece of this I've made public. I have, here is a stack of books you can read. Here is something you can educate yourself on. Here's a place you can put money where your mouth is. Here is a place for you to, to listen to black people's experiences. Here's, here are black people who are willing to educate you. And here's how you can respect them and listen to them as a white person and decenter yourself for a change. Like I'm like, I recognize that you don't have a map. When I tried to, when I first tried, started to do the, this work, I, I didn't know where to go or what to do. I was kind of scrambling around trying to find anything I could to read. I found amazing anti-racist educators on Instagram, right? Weirdest place. I like not where I thought I'd find <laughs> things, but I got to tell you, there are some incredible black women on there who will call you out and make you face your stuff and sit in your discomfort. It's not easy, but I got to tell you, I'm a better person for it. And, and there's, you know, there's a lot of this they're doing free. They shouldn't, and we should pay them. And there are ways to donate to their, to their funds because we, we owe them period. But like, that's been my approach this week. Like, I'm angry. I'm hurting for them. I, I, there's nothing I'd love more than to dismantle this system immediately. But where I think I have power is like, I've got a bunch of white people on my feed who I know haven't done the work. 
And so I know they're also probably not going to do the work if there isn't a clear path as to how to do it. Right. Because people like, I mean, honestly, we like immediate gratification right now. We want to do something like, this is why we have things like diet pills and like, right. You know? Yeah. It's, it's hard when, when you, like I said, you know, there are plenty of people that probably want to want to do the work or do something or, you know, just what they can do, but it gets, you know, it gets dicey when you don't know what direction, like where your powers can be Mm -hmm. used for good, the most good to help out. And you're so afraid of making a mistake, right? Like that's something else I've run to. Well, I don't know what I can say if I can't say this. And sometimes like, and then like, what's the difference between my silence is, is, makes me complicit and my silence means I'm listening. I don't know which is which, right? Like I've heard that from people too, right? Well, what am I supposed to do? I'm like, well, you're not supposed to talk over people of color for starters, right? Use your power to uplift black, black voices, you know, put your money where your mouth is like, listen and then amplify and and uplift people's voices who aren't normally heard. And I don't know how, I don't know about you. You're going to screw up, right? Like, I mean, I yeah. put my foot in my mouth. Yeah. I mean, you know, the, the thing is, is that, you know, it's like, I almost think it's more, um, more productive, um, maybe not more productive, but just as productive is talking to your white friends and correcting their incorrectness and calling them out every time. Every time. You know, every time. It's funny, like, person I'm friends with forever, like, they'll tell stories. They go, oh, there was this black guy in line, and I'll stop them right there. I'm like, is that important to the story? Like, does it matter that that person's black? Because if it doesn't, don't say that. Yeah. And he's like, he looked at me so horrified. He's like, why are you jumping me? And I'm like, because that's bullshit. Unless him being black has something to do with the story, that's just some racist shit. (laughs) Right. Like the idea that like white is like white is the default. Like you don't ever say, oh, that white guy over there on the corner. You know, or there was this white guy in line. Like, if you wouldn't, but also we don't really have, like, people don't think about what it is to be white. They're just American, right? Like, that's, and this is the other place where it gets weird for people because white people tend to think of themselves as individuals. And yet they ask black people, like, they lump black people into they're all the same, right? Like you must answer for all black people and you must be the representative for all black people. But when, if a, if a black person says, you know, white people, well, I'm not all white people. Oh my God. But you expect the black community to, you like one person right. from the black community to answer for everybody. Well, right. Or they want, you know, uh, Omar to apologize for every Muslim bombing, right? Or right. To, to disown them. But, you know, how come we're not asking white mayors to dis, you know, to distance themselves from the, you know, the Dillons of the world that go in and shoot up churches? 
You know, right. we're not, we don't say that. How come you haven't disowned this white person yet? You no, know, because, you, you know, that. those white people are clearly, they have mental health issues. Yes, that's true. Like we, we, you know, we give them and you know, by the way, we take the Dylan roofs of the world to McDonald's in a police car. Right. We don't kneel yeah, on his knee for nine minutes. No, there's the a picture. There's a picture that cir- circulated last week of the, of the white kid in handcuffs leaning against the cop car with the cop pouring water into his mouth, like giving him a glass of drink of water. Right. <laughs> like, right. And it's like, how do, you know, like if we're, and there's, it's, I don't pretend like it's clear cut and, and straightforward around like we as white people struggle dealing with our guilt and our shame and like, and we're like, and people get lost in that piece too when they screw up or they like, even just the larger premise of like slavery was awful, but that's not about me. I didn't do that. Right. And then like, when you learn more about racism, you're like, Oh my God, I feel so terrible, but your guilt and shame doesn't help anybody. Like just be willing to make the mistakes and learn and do better. Like I, I just, I don't know anybody who's ever been decent at anything who hasn't failed a few times. I don't know why this feels so different for people. Like just go be decent and it's okay. If you trip and fall, learn from it and move forward, like keep moving, like do something, but we all just lock in and like, well, it's not, it's not me. Like I'm not like, I'm personally not the problem, except that when we all say that, we are right. the then problem. nobody's the problem, right? Then nobody's the problem. Like I mean, it's clearly a problem, right? And 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 it's not like I believe everybody's sitting around with with hoods in their closet, right? Like that's that's not what I mean by racist. But we deny the the racial disparities in this country and pretend like they don't exist, right? Especially in schools, right? Because schools. Right. Because that's where, you know, it really all starts. Right. Right. Because because all schools are not created equal and nope. all paths to schools are not created equal, you know, but yet you'll hear people will go like, well, they went, they, you know, they get the same free education we get. And no, they don't. No, they don't. But not they I mean, don't. the CPS school system is a whole joke in itself. I mean, all of them. I- yeah. Every public school system, it, the whole thing is ridiculous. The, the curriculum needs to change from where it was. You know, so many things need to change if you want to actually um, raise up the, uh, the, the less affluential areas. You know, you need to teach these people um, in those areas need specific classes to help. You know, well, and they just need resources. Right. Like, how about we try giving them enough teachers and we try giving them actual like upgraded technology? And how about we actually provide them a safe school building? Can we start there? Right. right. But also, I mean, I don't like at the end of the day, is it. We're and I can speak to Chicago simply because that's where I am. Um and it's some of the information and history lessons that I have, but 
when you segregate a city the way Chicago is segregated, like, let's not mix words. They put, they put those bridges up yesterday to protect the white, rich people north of the river. Like, that's, and to protect the right. luxury brands on the Mag Mile. Like, that's the reality we have a south side and a west side because Chicago has always been segregated. Every city. Yeah. Every city does it. It's every city. <laughs> you know, it's just how it's how it works out because we've done nothing to help any of these areas, these impoverished areas, to, to do better. We've given them no hands to help pull them up you know, at all. No opportunity to do better because we don't want them to. Well, the problem is, is the <laughs> laws are written in such a way that it continues to support it, right? Like if we're talking about something being racist or anti, anti-racist, either the policies we have in place are, are promoting racial equity or they're not. And most of the laws on our books do not promote most of the policies by which our country exists and functions are racist policies. Like they just are. And until we start to dismantle those and, and actually write anti-racist legislation and laws and deconstruct the systems, it doesn't get better because it's not just about us individually though it's important and we need to do the individual work. But in order to understand how to dismantle the, like the actual systems, you have to understand how they work. Like there's a really great book called the color of law. It's horrifying. Like if you don't know any, like, and the thing is, is here's the real kicker, right? Black people already know this shit because they live it. It's we as white people, when you read it in your like, what the fuck for real that's what happened yeah that's what happened and the reason that black people know this is because they have a whole different history and they teach that to their children and their grandchildren and they pass it down and we as white people are like we're just going to take whatever we're spoon fed through this textbook written by some you know white academic right never question it you have to question it you have to look at it. You got to pull it apart. You have to like get curious. Like if nothing else, get curious about why the systems are this way. It doesn't take you long to figure it out from there. Right. So, right. So then, you know, the next thing people will say is that black people need to go vote. That's the thing. Right. So. <sighs> yeah. So if we're talking about the systems, you know. then voting is the right. next piece. Right. So, so of course, the rich white men, the Republicans, have made sure the precincts get slithered around and the gerrymandering and all of the stuff that gets done in the. And you heaven have to have an and ID. heaven forbid we. Oh, right. The ID laws the and the, law. pur- the purging of the voter regist- the voter registrations. Right, and let's you know let's keep the polls in the poor neighborhoods open for only five hours instead of 12 hours, like all the things, all the tricks. And, and right? let's so, not allow people with felonies to vote. Right. 
right? Because right. they're not citizens and they're not impacted by like what a load of crap. Right. So, and we can't know, do mail-in bottom... ballots because those might those might be a problem, right? Yes. Not like hanging chads were a problem down here at all. Right. <laughs> so, right. So the answer is to me is not black people need to go vote. The answer to me is white people need to vote better. Absolutely. You know, white, you know, so the question is, is, you know, are you willing to possibly go into your pocket and pay extra taxes to make the country better? Right. And what that's do you think what that we is? Need to what do you think that is? What do you think that is around a white people who will vote their religion over their pocketbook, who will vote their race over the best interest of even themselves and their communities? Like, that's where I get really frustrated. Like, I can't yeah, no, figure white- out if you're an uneducated voter or if if your fear of black people is that, or maybe I should rephrase that your fear of black people becoming equal as if the pie is only so big. And if they get more, you will get less. Right. That's the, that's the thing that drives me nuts is that why would you not want everybody to do better? It's nobody, it's not coming out of your pocket. You know what I mean? Right. It's not, you're, everybody's paying the same taxes. Everybody should be, you know. Uh, you know yes. <laughs> yes. But unfortunately, only the poor people pay their share of taxes. But, right. you know, everybody's paying taxes. So, you know, you're okay, you know, spending money on, you know, fighter planes but you don't want the money to go to a single mom who needs to feed her baby because uh, she's just lazy. you know whatever it may don't be don't get me started on the false narrative around welfare queens and i mean no, that we all know it's old. white people on welfare and black people we all know that yes. we should all know that well we should i don't know that people <laughs> do we should all know a lot of things, but right. the, when people sort of ask me like, well, Rachel, what do I do? What do, how am I supposed to do this? To your point, you vote for the people who are the most vulnerable of us. Like, how about you vote right. for those who may not be able to vote, but people don't do that. People vote for like, as if you need to protect yourself from what like <laughs> what are you protecting yourself from i don't i don't understand this like yeah i i have this discussion with yeah, a bunch of people down here and whenever i get frustrated with you know well you know if there's people i'm like hey what would tebow do <laughs> <laughs> And they look at me and I'm like going, yeah, that's your boy, right? I'm like, right. I think he's tucked as a quarterback, but he's a pretty good human being. So what would Tebow do? Because I'm pretty sure Tebow would do the right thing. <laughs> like that's, I mean, that's the piece that's interesting to me, right? Like this, this notion of why do we look so, 
I mean, this is the question you have to ask yourself, right? Like, why do you think the system has made it so that we look, we look down on people like poverty has become like a personal flaw rather than a systemic problem that could be fixed. Like you're only poor because you did that to yourself, except that we know that that's not true. Like you're doing drugs. That's why. Except for the fact that we, yeah. Except that we've given you no access to jobs, no access to education. So here's, here's my favorite one. This is the one that I hear from the libertarian crew. Right. (laughs) People aren't going to do anything for themselves. If you hand them everything, you know, teach a man to fish and all that bullshit. Right. My argument to that every time is it doesn't matter if you teach a man to fish, if he doesn't have a fishing pole and has zero access to a lake or a river or a stream or anywhere where fish can be caught. Or a license to fish. Or a license (laughs) or money to buy the license to fish, Right. right? right? Like that whole analogy makes me crazy because the whole system has set up to lock them in place. We don't give them, the, there's no jobs. There's food deserts there. They're like, it, if you actually understood the system, like white people want to talk about, you know, education, right? Why don't you actually go educate yourself? Look at history, know your history. If people really want to know what the deal is with race, how race started, how we got here, There's a really great podcast called um, Seen on Radio. They have a season called Seeing White. It's it's not – I'd love it to be longer and more in-depth, but if nothing else, people can listen to it. It's super accessible. It can give you other avenues, but it reminds you that we white people created race. And the thing that I'll say – middle working and poor class white people need to remember is that rich white people created class or created race because they needed white people to be able to align with them over, you know, color of your skin. Because if the people actually voted by class and in their own best interest, the poor and working class. No, exactly. The poor and working class would run the world. But because right. white people bought into this idea of black people, brown people being lesser than, and that like we're all just this, you know, one, you know, one step away from the rich people, which we're not yeah. actually, right? But if you don't have an understanding of that system and how we got duped by rich white people. Like it makes but, sense when you understand the history. And I say that all the time around here where I am, it, it's, it, it's a nicer neighborhood down here. It's we're you know, close to the space coast. It is. There's a lot of people that are wealthy, but there's also a lot of people that I think, I believe think they're, they should be considered as rich people, but they're not. Like you're playing, you're playing at a five dollar blackjack table, and you may have the biggest stack there, but you can't be voting like 
real rich people. No. You, you shouldn't be. At no. least, you know. Right. So I think that's part of the problem is that there are there are people that consider, you know, what really is middle class white people mm-hmm. that think they're rich because things are so shitty. <laughs> right. So right. we're not struggling. We know where our next meal's coming from. We have money. We can go on vacation whenever we want. We're rich. Right. So we need to vote like we need to vote like a rich person. Right. But you're not. No. You're not rich. And those policies and you're, you're voting for hurt you in the long run. Absolutely. Absolutely. And they hurt your communities. And that's the other piece, right? Like this idea that you don't live in a community. We've done such a good job of isolating ourselves individually that you forget that you're part of the community too. You aren't an island. And what is the hope that if you vote for the, the, if you vote for the tax you know, break for the rich people that someday you'll be the rich person who also gets that tax break. The problem is, is what you missed in that is that you're going to pay more taxes. Right. And it will prevent you from being that rich person. Yes. (laughs) And I like, I'm of that adage of if you have enough, build a bigger table, not a wall. Like, I don't know what more you need. Like, what is enough? Like, you have to hoard it all behind a fence somewhere. And and look, this is like, I could rail on on rich people and we could talk about class in a a whole different kind of way. But what happens is, is, is that so that people won't deal with class issues, like, or People pretend that this is about race when very often it's about class and we vote based on race rather than voting on our finance, our current financial situations as people. Right. Because right. if, right. if poor white America voted the way they should vote. The vote, the vote would, that would help them. Right. Then that would fix a lot of the problems. You know, it would, it would, it wouldn't obviously fix. Wouldn't fix racism. Racism. But, it, but we could but start would, to fix racist policies. Raise, right, raise the playing field a little bit. Yeah. And to, yeah. you know, like, I think, you know, and I have talked before about like the need to start local, right? Like everybody wants to talk mm-hmm. about voting. I mean, look, I, I'm, I'm not pulling any punches. Anybody who watches my Twitter feed or my Facebook knows like I, what I think of Trump and I'm all about getting him out the effing door, particularly right now, this lack of leadership is appalling, but also he's not the major issue here. We don't have a, we don't have a Congress that's functioning right now. Right. Right. Like, no, Congress the, the problem- tied up Obama for years. Like you have to start, you have to start with your local governments. Right. You, you got to make and the, the changes at is, home. Right. And, I, and the, the thing that, that drives me nuts is, is that, you know, on top of the damage that everybody sees he's done, all the stuff that McConnell's done 
that nobody really notices the replacing of judges and stuff like that. Right. That has gone for the last couple of years. Like that would, that should yeah. shake people before. Like this is going to take a, this is not a four year fix, an eight year fix. This is going to take like 20 years to fix what, what's happened in the last three and a half years. Right. So. And, but this is also, I think, why people freeze up, right? Like the recognition that this is large and this is systemic and it feels like it feels like it's not going to, we're not, I as an individual, I'm not going to have any major impact. So I'm not going to do anything. I as an individual don't think I'm a racist person. I don't think that like, I like in my day-to-day treatment of of people, I am fair, I am this, you know, people forget though, that it's all of the above. We have to do all of the above. We have to do the internal personal work. We have to, because I think what I've discovered with the white people that I know, like me, who've really tried to do this work and continue to always try to do this work is that the more you learn about the way the systems are created and the more you're willing to sit with your own discomfort around the ways in which you, what's the word I'm looking for? The ways in which you uphold that system on a day-to-day basis without ever realizing it, the more willing and able you are to take action the more you'll understand how and where you can take action, the more you will follow the leadership of black people, particularly black women, by the way. If you want to know the people who really get it and who know what's wrong with this country, it is black women because they are at the intersection of all of the issues. Nobody knows this better than them. We need to get out of the way and we need to listen and we need to lift them up to a place so they can lead. And we'd be in a better place, but you have to get out of, you have to figure out your own internal biases. You have to understand how the system works. You have to understand how you absorbed all of the bullshit that you've been fed your whole life. Even people not wanting to be like, I don't, I'm not trying to see color. I'm not, you know, I'm, I'm not trying to be a racist person. No, I don't. Okay. Okay. But you, it has to be more than that. You actually have to sit with what living in a white supremacist society does to your psyche. It's the same way with the patriarchy. Like, it's the same conversation. Like, yep. and I guess I, I struggle with people because I just... It's uncomfortable, but I don't think it's that hard. Like, I don't think it's that hard to sit in it. No, it's like, not. I don't it's... like it. <laughs> like, yeah, you I, know, I don't it... know about you, but I don't want to be uncomfortable. But it doesn't, it's really not that hard once you dig into it. Right. And once you start working, then you don't have to be uncomfortable anymore. You can, you can feel good about what you're doing. You know, but if you, you don't feel do good anything. about the try, right? right like absolutely. I'm working. Yeah. I mean, it's yeah, and it's this idea that like nobody's asking you for perfection, 
They're asking you to give a shit. Like, and the other thing I don't think white people understand is that your silence right now is speaking volumes to all of the black people in your life. For sure. For sure. And, you know, people, you know, you know, I will post my feelings all the time on this and, <laughs> and, and it hurts some people's feelings and I'm okay with that. You I'm okay with that. If you're not, if you're not with me and you're getting your feelings hurt a little bit, then that's okay. You know, now mm-hmm. you understand, you know what I mean? And, you know, and um, on my post the other day, one of my friends from up in Connecticut from a long time ago, Arthur, um, black man said to me, um, Scotty, it's heartbreaking. He goes, and the only way it's going to stop is if people like you who are white step in when you see these things happening and stop it. Right. And I'm like, I'm in. Yep. <laughs> you know? Yes. I've seen enough. I'm in. I, yeah. I pledge that to you that I will not stand with my video camera out showing it. I'm in it. Yeah, I'm, I'm with you. Like I, it's, it breaks my heart when, and the, the, here's the thing, it breaks my heart and it enrages me when I hear from, from black friends that I am the only non black person who has checked on them this week. I'm the only person who has said, I am here. I see you. I will do the work. I will call my people in. Like, this is not that hard. What is, what is you people, people who are unwilling to do this need to sit with themselves for a little while and figure out what are you so scared of? And if you don't know where to go and you don't know how to start the work, Reach out to someone you know who's already doing it. They will help you. Do not lean on the black people in your life. They have enough going on right now. Yeah, and they can't be expected. You know, everybody's like, well, you know, they need to do this. They need to do that. No. They can't. The, and the they system don't has rigged do it against them. It's we need to fix it. We, we did this. Right. We need to fix it. We need to stop it. They don't need to do shit. For right. once in for once, we need to do yes. shit to fix it, not ask them to do shit to fix it. Well, ask right, and not change. tell them that, not you tell know, them whatever. that, well, we'll fix it if you do this, and if you would only do that, but none of that is true, right? Like, it's the same as, it's about the protests, right? Oh, you got mad when Colin Kaepernick took a knee, and then you'll right. wonder why we have riots going on, because none of, you don't listen to any of it. You don't do anything about any of it. You sit there and point fingers as if, as if this is all happening because they have some personal character flaw. Every how person- dare they? How dare they insult the flag? <laughs> yes, because it was clearly about the flag, right? Like who's against the troops? And I'm like, <laughs> no, no, it's okay, not. No. Like, no, no, I can, I can support the truth. It's just all the bullshit, right? It's all the bullshit. 
Well, to your point, it's a distraction. Right. Right. And in some ways, if we talk about the voting conversation, in some ways, all the Trump crap is a distraction from what is happening in our in our local communities. To your point, gerrymandering, all the issues with, you know, voter suppression that's happening, all that Mm -hmm. stuff still go um, abortion restrictions. Shall we talk about that while we're at it? All of that stuff is happening under the radar while everyone's being horrified by Donald Trump. Right. Absolutely. He's a brilliant distract. People are like, I don't know how Republicans can still support him. I'm like, I do, because do you see what they're doing underneath all of that? Right. It's his one skill. Right. <laughs> it's his, his one skill is to be the fucking jester out distracting everybody while the evil is actually going on. Yeah. And, yeah, and we can't afford the distraction. We can't afford the distraction no. and we can't afford we can't afford to sit on our hands and do nothing anymore. Like it, black people need us as white people to stand up. Good God, stand up, do the work, be the, be the change. Like it's, and I get it's uncomfortable. Being uncomfortable is not the end of the world. You don't die from it. It's shocking, but you don't (laughs) being embarrassed and feeling guilty and having some shame. You don't die from that. Black people die when we're unwilling to sit in our own shame and guilt. I don't know how more clearly to explain the difference. And I promise you people have blocked my newsfeed. I'm sure they've snoozed me for 30 days. (laughs) I need a break from you. <laughs> Rachel, Rachel, I can't have your, you know, if you're a white person wanting to do the work, here's how I can't see any of your, can't see any more. <laughs> I know that there are white people that have done that to me. I get it. And I'm still going to do it. I'm still going to call you in. And I fully acknowledge I'm not doing a ton of, of posting about the protests and the riots and my heartbreak because I don't think that helps what I think right now I'm hearing why people like, I don't know what to do. I don't know how to help. Okay. So I'm going to give you ways to help. Right. Here are all the organizations that you can donate to. Here are all the places that you can learn from and the people you can learn from and the people you can support who are doing the work. You know, I'm not asking everybody to run out and protest if the only thing you can do today is, is do some, give yourself some history lessons. I mean, the Tulsa massacre was 99 years ago today. If you don't know what the Tulsa massacre is, do some research (laughs) because it means you don't understand how long, like what we as white people, and, and I mean, we collectively as white people, let's not pretend we don't have a culture. We do. We have a culture of violence and terrorism and we need to own it. And the same way you can't buy a company and, and pretend like you're never, you know, take over, you can't become the CEO of a company and then tell them that you're not going to pay any of the debt that was accumulated before you took over. It doesn't work that way. Business isn't worth the way. Let's, right. let's think about it that way. We don't get to pretend that we don't owe a debt to the black community, that we don't owe a debt to the Native American indigenous community. We do. 
we as white people owe the debt because that is our ancestors. That is our legacy and we need to do something about it. Truth. I don't, I don't know why that seems so hard. Because people are afraid they won't be able to buy their latte tomorrow because they won't have enough money. (laughs) So not the way it works. (laughs) Oh my God. But, but but capitalism. No, you're right. Yeah, that's 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 Karen's concern. (laughs) Karen Karen needs her Starbucks, so she can't do that. (laughs) Karen and Susan are our issues, right? Like, but it's, uh, I mean, and look, I'm I'm gonna call out white women particularly, right? We have a history of endangering the lives of black people, like we pretend like we don't have power and that we don't wield power. We do. We just do it differently. Mm -hmm. And I think that's the other piece of the conversation that nobody really wants to name. This is about this whole conversation around race is really around power and domination. People want to feel like they are better than someone else because it makes them feel better about themselves. And until you can accept that reality, Like until you can sit with yourself around the fact that, oh, maybe there's a little piece of me that likes feeling better than other people. I don't know how you're going to do anything about that. Like if you bought into the whole thing of like, there's supposed to be a hierarchy. There are supposed to be people that are better than other people and people that are less than others. Like if you bought into that and you're not willing to like examine that, and, and look inside and see how much you bought in. There's no help for you. I don't know what, then I, yeah, then that's why this is hard. But if you're willing to really look at yourself and the rules by which you live and the beliefs with which you have that you don't even always acknowledge, we can make some change. We can make a difference and we can do this differently. You have to want to. That's where I get scared because I'm afraid that there are too many white people who don't want this to be different. Yeah, they say they do, but they don't. They're afraid. They're afraid. Yeah, because they're comfortable. Financially, they're comfortable. We know what this is. We don't know what what even is, but we know what this is. And this isn't so bad for us. So we're that's actually, no, you're, no, you're absolutely, that's absolutely right. That's yeah, that's exactly what it is. So it's the devil, you know, versus the devil you don't know. Yeah. Yeah, I hadn't thought about it that way. I like that analogy, but my hope is, and like part of why, you know, Tom thought you and I should have this conversation (laughs) (laughs) is in part because like, if white people aren't willing to put themselves out there, And white people aren't willing to have difficult conversations. Like, I don't think you and I have the answers. Like, we have ideas about what we think would be helpful. Right. And they may not work. They may not work. No. But but we certainly can't do nothing. You know what I mean? Because at some point, at some point, it's going to get more violent if it doesn't get better. Right. And then it's going to really be unsafe. And then, you know. Right. I mean, God forbid this goes the wrong way in November. Who oh. knows? You know, that could, that could yeah. really be bad. Mm-hmm. 
Yeah, I think this combination of a quarantine, you know, we've got a pandemic that we're sitting with, with so much uncertainty in the world and a lot of people struggling really hard right now in a lot of different ways. The economy is questionable. Like we are ripe for an explosion here and we're seeing it right now, but you're right. It could get worse. It could get way worse because right now it's just, you know, it's kind of, there's a lot of planned violence in this by certain groups and right. Things going on yeah, Chi- in the underbelly. Yeah, Chicago's done that too. Yeah, that's not they're, real. They're I, I don't know if you saw the video in Dallas where they had pallets of rocks set up at corners. Did you see that? <gasps> no, I missed that one. Yeah. Good grief! Look at that one up. There, there was a kid, there's a black kid walking with a mask on because the pandemic or whatever. But he's like, right. I just want you to see this, and he's like, "There's a pallet of rocks here. Who did that?" Black people yeah, in that, they're setting up pallets of rocks in a corner. <laughs> that's not happening. Right. And <laughs> yeah. that's something that happened here, too. Like, there was an abandoned U-Haul truck, like, up on a sidewalk here in the city. Full of rocks? You know, no, but empty, <laughs> ready for looting. Looting. Right? Yeah. They, they were just going to load it up, which part of that conversation is, you know, the looting was very separate from the protest, but it's been yes. linked to the protest and of it was course. organized. That's right? Like it, right. That was the plan. Right. Right. Extract, so extract from the, from the proper. Yes. Right. Yes. And the thing is, is I think that's where we as white people have an obligation to dig deeper and to look at, you know, not just take the first thing we're fed or the first conspiracy theory we're fed but really like vet our, vet our news sources. That takes work. You know, I know, I know, right? You have to read more than a headline? Come on. Right. This goes right back to my issue from the moment this happened is like, how do we call in fellow white people when they don't want to do the work? And I think that's hard too, right? Like how often do we, so where I get frustrated and I've a conversation I had with, um, with a professor of mine, I said, I feel like I'm beating my head on a brick wall and I'm tired and my head hurts and I don't know what to do with this. And she said to me, is it possible for you to look at this, not as banging your head on a brick wall, but as planting seeds? Can you plant the seeds? Maybe you water it for a little while, but maybe then you leave it and you let other people water it. But what you're doing is planting the seeds. And so when I think about what I'm doing, when I post this, you know, the stack of books you can start to read from, here's an interesting article about, you know, you know, black history. Here's an interesting article about how to talk to your kids about race. When I, when I do those, when I post those things, my goal has become to plant the seeds. I'm just planting seeds at this point. I don't know when or where or how they'll grow. I don't know if I'll get to see them grow, but I know I planted them. And in the same ways that I, when I work with families, with teenagers, and I often tell parents that like, I know it doesn't sound or look like they're listening to you and they're, they're hearing anything you're saying and you think you have no influence over them whatsoever. They are listening. They do hear you. You won't know this till later. And this almost always proves true 
as teenagers outgrow their stuff, they do, they have heard their parents, their parents do yep. have influence over them. And, and it's kind of how I, I, how I started to view some of this work, because if, if you view it like you're banging your head in a brick wall, you will wear yourself out and you, you'll drop off and you won't be able to continue to do the work. And so I look at it as where can I plant seeds? How can I plant seeds? How can I give people avenues and paths to do the work, you know, and, and you're, for me, I've done, I've started doing it sort of more on the individual basis, but you're right. It's multiple avenues. It's, we have to look at the systems. We have to understand how they work. We have to vote and we have to vote with people. We have to vote with vulnerable people in mind. Yeah. I, I, I've, I've long, like the last, you know, forever long it is, I say that there needs to be an, an independent website that posts the beliefs of every candidate without a name on it, just A and B. And then let people mm-hmm. pick, pick, pick and choose their things, and then tell them at the end who they should be voting for. There's been some of that, but it's usually partisan, right? Right. Like you'll see it of like for the right. primaries. There pushed, was the they push you that in a direction they want you to, you know. But yeah, there was the, the like if these are your beliefs and these are what you like. Here are all of the what's the word I'm looking for? Here are all here are all the stances. Here are all the possible the policies. Right. The, thank you. The issues. And right. you pick them and they're like, this is who you should vote for in the primary. Right. But see, the presidential primary, that's kind of doesn't really help any. You know what I mean? I'm talking about. No, it doesn't help on I'm a lower level. Local level, like the man, yeah. like the, those thing where people don't know these people. Like unless you read right. the local newspaper, you don't know any of these people. You just. Don't. Yeah. So you're going to see right. TV ads, which tell you nothing. Right. right. That's it. And so, or you're just going to go vote, um, just pick all Democrats or all Republicans or whatever it may be. Right. You know, so, yeah. so it's, I think, imperative that people, you know, that somehow it makes it easier for people to get information on who these people are so that they can vote the proper way because that's right. what change is made. So, uh, yeah, I think. And it's not fast change, which is where people get disheartened too, right? Like people really, really want immediate gratification. And this is the kind of thing, like this fight's been happening for decades. This fight's been happening for a hundred years. Like watch history. It's been repeating itself. No, it's, it's a battle that's going to take time, but you can see small changes in your favor, you know? Yep each little step and you need to, to, to see momentum in some ways because everybody keeps telling black people they need to vote, but they vote and nothing gets better for them ever. You know, right. so, so that's not going to be a big catalyst for them because, you know, it may be this time because Trump's such an asshole that like, they'll get the vote <sighs> right. but. And I, to that point, right. I think, I think you're right. Like it's the, the recognition that, you look for small wins and you take them and it doesn't mean you don't fight for big change and bigger change and systemic change. And at the same time, some of the places that are going to sustain you for the big fight are those little wins, right? They are the, even sometimes just on the individual level, right? Like as you learn and grow and you're able to, 
to help the other white people in your life become, I don't know, like, you know, help them do the work and help them start to shift and change. Like you can work as small as within your own family and as large as the biggest systems in this country. And I think it needs to be a both and conversation. Like we have to do both. Yeah. Absolutely. Cause you can't just, you can't just, I voted for the Democrats, but I never called out my uncle Joe at Christmas dinner for his racist right. bullshit. Right. Because your vote doesn't matter as much in that moment as whether or not you did the right thing there. Right. Like sure. it's do the next, do the next right thing. And I think it's, you know, you and I could talk about this forever because I don't know that there's one solution. There's not other and than I, do better. You know, that's all we get. That's the solution. Everybody right. Do better. <laughs> and I think like, if nothing else, the conversation that maybe the conversation you and I are having today encourages people to have conversations with white people that they know that they want to learn from or that they think they can have some influence over in a positive way. And and if that starts any kind of, like, that's my goal in this. Like, you and I having a conversation shows people that you can talk about this without having to have a solution necessarily, but the recognition of here are ways that we can contribute and we can do some, we can do some good work. Yeah. And, and to those people who might be listening who think they can do that, I urge you to do it, as I said, in a face-to-face issue, not in a in a social media issue where people tend to be a little bit more defensive. And also you may come at them a little bit differently than you would if you're just talking face to face in a calm where you can see your friend's face. Like you're not going to be as mad if you see your friend's face as you are, as you just see their name in a little box, you know? Right. Yeah. And like, I'm not saying never, you know, never call out your friends on Facebook, but no, also no. be willing to. No, sit there's next some bullshit out there. You need to go after them, but <laughs> but if you're too, right. trying to save somebody that you think can be saved, then you need to do it in a face-to-face manner and not an aggressive manner. And I would say, yeah, and I would say, in addition to that, recognize that, like, if this is someone you care about, if this is someone you want to have a relationship with then the best possible way to have a true genuine relationship with them is to talk to them about the reasons their, their racist beliefs are a problem. Right. Cause otherwise right. you're never being fully, you're never really having a very close relationship anyway, cause you're always avoiding a piece of them. Right. Give and them it, the, op- give them the opportunity to do better. Right. Cause in some cases they're just oblivious. Yes. And don't even understand that what they're saying is racist. And there are people that just need to get a correction and they go, fuck, I didn't know. (laughs) Right. And there are lots of things people didn't know. Right. And it's not because they want to be ignorant or they want to be whatever. Some people really don't know. Some people Hmm. are, are very classic racist white people. Yes. Those exist too. But if we can all acknowledge that we have 
if you're more comfortable calling it implicit bias, fine. If you're like, I don't have any trouble saying, look, I'm a white person. I'm clearly racist. I continue to work towards being anti-racist and I will do that the rest of my life. I've become very comfortable with owning that statement. If that's not where you're at yet, maybe you can start with the recognition of implicit bias. Go take the damn test, figure out where you are, and then start to do the work. It's the, it's the smallest thing you can do right now. And there's also, right, there's also a large number of white people who actually have never had a real black friend. Oh, God, right? right? Have had acquaintances, but not really had colleagues. A, yeah, had a coworkers. Friend. Like somebody that but you think eat meals with or, you know, I mean, go away on vacation with. Like, so unless you've yeah. that, it's possible that you're just, you know. Yeah, that you have no idea. I mean, that look, you have no idea you, shit you're saying is racist. <laughs> yeah, you like, I mean, Scotty, a few years ago, you got into it on my Facebook wall with with my ex-husband's niece. Like, I know where her racist tendencies come from. I also know why she thinks she doesn't have them. She's, she very much buys into the, I have a black friend. And I'm like, yeah, and I promise you, your black friend doesn't tell you the ways in which you hurt her. Because I know you and I know you say shit to her that's inappropriate. Like, I know that's hurtful. Like, she stopped speaking to me for a long time because of that. I, <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> oh, well, that wasn't your fault. Don't worry. I went at her. I went at her on the sidelines. But she wasn't in a place where she could hear that. And she's still not. But that's like, it doesn't mean I don't ever challenge her. And it doesn't mean I don't call her in. I do. Like, and I'll continue to do it. She doesn't like it. It makes her angry. She thinks I'm wrong. And she gets very offended. I can't believe you'd call me racist. I'm like, well, you should, because I call myself racist. I acknowledge that that's a reality for me. So it doesn't really take much for me to say you're racist because you're also a white person. <laughs> and she just, like, she loses it over this, right? And look, I've known that little girl since she was two years old. Part of me really loves her. And part of me is really angry that she can't, she can't sit in that space and have that conversation. Right. I try not to give up. I try not to. This is where that conversation. She's not on my Facebook wall anymore. But it doesn't mean I won't have conversations with her. Because I don't know if there's anyone else she would listen to eventually. So you have power with your friends and family. Use it, right? Use your privilege as a white person. With other white people, too. For sure. For sure. All right. I think we've done some good here, Rachel. Uh, we can hope. And if nothing <laughs> else, like, it's always fun talking to you, Scotty. <laughs> I appreciate that. Maybe we do a lighter, lighter subject next time. We'll do a lighter, we'll do a lighter topic <laughs> next time. We, we can talk like sex and relationships or parenting or something. That sounds a lot less happy than this. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Absolutely. Well, I thank you for coming and taking the time to, to, to talk on my show. And I appreciate it. And um, you're very welcome. You have a Thanks great day. Thanks for having me.